I too, I too sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes, but I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody'll dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I too am America. Langston Hughes. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Spark Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Rhea Carmen, also known as Rhea Sunshine. Today, I am interviewing a beautiful young lady that I have been following for years and being a fan and finally get a chance to sit down and talk to the one and only Shane Marnia. Did I say it right? Okay. I was like... I, 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 I dreamt that I was going to pronounce it wrong. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> I did. I dreamt. I was like, I'm going to pronounce this. But I did. I got it right. Yay. All right. So, Shane, man, um, you are there in Charlotte, North Carolina, and mm-hmm. um, have had a pretty nice career while you're there. Tell, tell me just a little bit about, like, what kind of stuff you do while you're there in Charlotte. Yeah, so I run a nonprofit called Gorilla Poets, and we do poetry, art, and music workshops in shelters, school systems, uh, just all over the place. It, it could be out in the middle of the street. <laughs> it can be because we do we do poetry out in the street as well. But um, we do a lot of workshops and uh, we do performances for places. We were just at a middle school and uh, did a performance there and a workshop there. But we love to incorporate personal development with our workshops. So instead of it just being like, okay, we're going to teach you like how to get your thoughts onto paper, we're also going to teach you like some tools that you can actually apply in life that are part of personal development. And that might be recognize, release, replace, you know, when you have a bad thought or not, I don't want to say a bad thought, but when you have a um, self-harming thought, you know, you can recognize it, release it, replace it. Um, Story versus fact is another one. One of our really fun ones that we love to do is uh, everybody has like that, that voice in their head that is doubt and that kind of, you know, talks down to yourself. And we, that's the, um, the instigator, right? That's the instigator voice in our heads. And so we separate it and we give it a name and then we give it a whole identity. So that way, like, let's say you make a mistake and you're like, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. Oh, wow. You're not telling yourself you're stupid. It's the instigator saying it. So you could be like, shut up, instigator. Wow, like, I don't know. I you know. It really helps. It totally helps. It stops like the spiral, you know? So we do stuff like that. And um, it's really beautiful. I love it. And then I'm also a creative coach and a poetry mentor. So I coach other creatives to achieve a goal or to um, find direction 
or to cultivate their craft. So um, I, I do that with a lot of clients. I also coach other coaches. So that's been really beautiful kind of journey for me to unfold. When I first figured out that that was a thing, I was like, wait, this is a this is a thing. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this sounds awesome. I want I want to do this. So I started that and have loved it. And, uh, and then I also perform and I do live painting as well. So that's like the aspects of, of what I do is I have performance education and then coaching. So, wow. yeah. Okay. Okay. So you just are a beast all around and, and that's what I love about it. I've watched a couple of YouTube videos and Lord knows you've helped me. So, um, I love, I love that. And, you know, we're gonna have to chop it up a whole lot more often and get together. You do some live art and we've been looking for a live artist uh, actually to come to, to Knoxville. So I didn't even oh, know awesome. that part of what you do. Um, so yeah, we definitely gotta chop it up. So um, all of this, all of this, how did you get started? Like, when do you first remember writing poetry? Oh Lord, it's, it's been all my life. I remember my first poem was when I was like able to even put words together. I was a kid. I was like, a, you know, I must've been like six or something like that. Like that's how young I was, but the poem I had, I kept it for a long time and I don't know, it's in a trunk somewhere, you know, how we lose things, but, um, it was about werewolves and I always thought that was weird. And then um, I got onto the personal development journey and started like really looking at how children express themselves. And I was like, oh my gosh, alcoholic family. No wonder I wrote a poem about werewolves. It's like, because someone who is an alcoholic can flip like that, you know, at any moment. And I was like, wow, little me, I didn't know you were that deep. <laughs> go in poet, go in. I love it. Oh, but that's I, I started writing because um, I grew up traveling mm -hmm. and, you know, my my family, they loved me dearly, but, you know, no family's perfect. So um, we we had our, our our moments, you know, and also grew up in a really violent atmosphere, too, because the, a lot of the men that worked for my father were in the Hells Angels. So I grew up around biker gangs mm -hmm. and, you know, it was it was a lot. And I think I leaned into poetry because it was a way for me to process the things I was experiencing, both good and bad, because if you get a chance to travel, travel, I mean, you get an education like no other. And it's I got to see so many places, you know, so I'm so grateful for that. And I'm even grateful for the trauma because I don't think I would be as prolific as I am or as independent as I am if I hadn't have been raised in an environment that was like, you know, that's what that's what they glorified was being tough and being and like rebelling against rules and things like that. Like most kids, they get in trouble if they're like, you know, screw the system and like mm, fighting against this. But my family was like, yeah, screw the system. Like we do what we want. You know? <laughs> they, they built this little power power box and didn't realize that that's what they were doing. That's awesome. I love that. You yeah. So I, I like to tell people that all of my success is, is attributed to trauma. So <laughs> I love that you take your trauma and you turn it into success, you know, a lot of times that's what I try to get people to see when we're going through the fifth woman fellowship is that, yeah, we all have these stories, but how do we take that story and turn it into beauty? Like how I, I study scripture. And so in the Bible, it says that we take beauty 
for ashes. And so that means like, you know, taking like these ashes and making something beautiful. Yeah. And so I try to uh, help people realize that when they're going through the, uh, the Fifth Woman Fellowship, that that's what, exactly what we're trying to do is take these ashes and these messed up situations and turn it into beauty. So I love that you yeah. do that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it too. So. Oh man. All right. So um, let's see. Oh, well, I just don't know where to go because I want to hear so much from you. And I feel like I don't even know. I don't even know where to go next. What 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 kind of <laughs> stuff are you reading? Um, like, well, who's your favorite authors, uh, books and stuff like that? Oh, that's a great question, too. I haven't been asked that in a while. So I'm a personal development junkie. So I read personal development books. And it's so funny because I used to hate them. I well, hate's a strong word. Well, no, I did. I used to hate them. I used to, I talked trash. I did. I talked trash about them. I was like, man, self-help books are stupid. And like, it's a scam and like all of this. And like, no, it's not, it's not stupid. It's not a scam. It actually helps. I, I actually didn't start. I, I would say I actually didn't for real, for real, start my healing journey until I got into personal development and self-help. I, I for real, think that everything prior to that was still defense mechanisms and survival patterns. I, I really do. Um, and those have their place too, you know, like traumatic responses are appropriate in traumatic situations. That's like, that's what your body's supposed to do, you know? So I like to read that right now I'm reading boundary boss. And um, I, I have this same pattern when it comes to like personal development books is I'll get to a chapter where it's like my feelings get hurt and I just put the book down. <laughs> <laughs> so in the and I'll put it down for a while and then I pick it back up. Like I got to process all that, you know, but in the book, it talks about high functioning codependency and it's the people who are like, I'll do it myself. I can do it or just let me do it, you know, and you think you're being independent, but really it's like you have some, some control issues and it's, it's actually codependency in a different form. It's like the other side of that. And I got to that chapter and I was like, oh no, don't come for me like this. And I like set, <laughs> set the book down and I was like, all right, let me, let me go through and process this. But that's what I'm reading right now. I also love fantasy and fiction. So um, I've worked my way through the Outlander series and um, I just got to read the last book that she put out. But poetry, I, I'm a huge fan of, um, oh my God, there's so many. Buddy Wakefield is one of my, um, my favorite poets. He's been in the game a long, long, long time. Um, also like Akeem, I like Alok. I like... Um, Old school poets, I love Arthur Rimbaud. I like all the beat poets too from like the 60s and 70s um, because I think that they're just so passionate and they have this like romanticism about them where it's like, I don't know, I I love, I think all poets kind of love to like get into their own head and create these worlds, right? Um, that's one of the things that we do is we, is we try to... Um, to capture the atmosphere of like a time or a moment or a place or a person, you know, the essence of that thing. And I think that the beatnik poets, the poets from the beat generation are really, really good at weaving an atmosphere that you want to be in, that you just want, you just want to feel that you want to be in that space. Um, even if it's a charged space, you know, um, so I, I really enjoy those because it feels good to my body, you know, it just feels good to kind of 
daydream and be in that space. But um, Arthur Rimbaud is one of my favorites because he didn't take any shit. Like he, he's like a poet who is from like, oh my gosh, I can't even remember how old he is. Uh, like how I'll, I'd have to look at my, my books that I have of him, but um, he was young. But if you look up his story, like he, he messed with the elite so much, like so much. And um, there's a movie that Leonardo DiCaprio plays of him. And it's, it's hilarious. Um, but his life is, his life is wild too. Like his uh, lover shot him in his hand. But yeah, it's, it, it's a whole Netflix series for real. Which <laughs> movie is this? I can't, I can't remember the name of it. I'm going to have to look it up. It's on. on Netflix? No, it's not on Netflix. I'm just saying his life is like a Netflix series. but he he is he his work is really beautiful too and it's really visceral uh total eclipse is the name of the movie and it's about his life and um he was gay and he had a, a older uh, his partner was an older poet um who advocated for him and stuff but um not only is his poetry incredible but he's got all these letters that he wrote to professors and stuff and they're they're just brilliant they're just brilliant and um and then he like moved to Africa and then he just disappears and then he dies. It's like people, people think that he like stopped writing once he like moved to Africa. And, and me and one of my uh, friends always believed that he didn't actually stop writing that somewhere in Africa, there's like poems, oh, yeah. you know, like there's gotta be like, you don't just put the pen down yeah, like yeah. that, you know, like, yeah. like there's, it's under a rock out there, like somewhere, <laughs> you know? But it's just I, I like his work and I like um Pablo and um yeah there I I enjoy poetry I've got a pretty big uh, poetry selection and I like to um support local poets as well and poets that I come into contact with so yeah awesome yeah okay so saying all that I I already think I'm gonna know your answer here but this is a question that I ask on literally every episode so if you could collaborate with anybody dead or alive who would it be? And I think I already know who um, it's going to be, but you know, I'm not going to, not going to force you to say it if that's not. Yeah, I would, I would definitely do Arthur, <laughs> but I would have to, I would have to, I, he's one of those people like you know, those people that are like, like they're buttholes, but they know they're buttholes. So it's like, you love them for it. It's kind of like, I feel like he would be that kind of person. And I don't know. I, I don't think I would want to hang around him a lot. <laughs> Just one <laughs> like, quick collab you know, and I'm, I'm out. I'm yeah, out. quick quick collab and I'm out. <laughs> but like, yeah, I <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing that. And then um, it's so funny because like, I think that what I really got, when I really got into poetry in high school, not just because, you know, high school, you know, when you're a teenager, it sucks. And like, you're just trying to, you know, you know, you're just trying to survive it. But I also, you know, stumbled upon deaf poetry uh, on HBO. And so I got obsessed with that. And I was like, oh, this is amazing, you know. But also the Rage Against the Machine was big when I was in high school, too. And the way they set up their lyrics, like that, that really, believe it or not, Rage Against the Machine really pushed me to want to be a poet, like really wow. for real, for real, want to be a poet, um, just because of the lyrics. Just like when I heard that man say five sided fist are gone, I was like, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I really started looking at language, I think, at that point. Okay. 
So I don't know. It would be it'd be really cool. Um, of course, Rage Against the Machine is not how Rage Against the Machine used to be, but um, but yeah, I would I would have to say Arthur though. That would that would be really really cool to be able to to get to meet him and talk to him. But for a little bit, I don't think I could handle like a whole just a little while. Yeah, maybe like a one hour workshop, and then like I'm out. I'm <laughs> done. I don't you're a total butthole. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Well, you talked about you talked about like Rage Against the Machine and the Beat Poets, and it seems like you have this also a connection to music. So, like, tell me, what do you think that connection between poetry and music is, and how important is it? Well, that's a really good question. No one's ever asked me that. Um, it's interesting because when my grandmother, um, on my dad's side was a musician, um, and she actually was one of like the seven people who wrote the gospel song, uh, may the circle be unbroken that she had a gold record in her, in her house and everything from it. There was like seven of them, uh, up in the mountains that create, uh, in the Appalachian mountains that created, um, that, that song, but she, she played guitar and things like that. And my, my mom played, played music too, but I, I tried to play music in high school and I was just like, you know what? I don't, I like daydreaming about this more than I do actually playing. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I was just like, nay, nay, this is not for me. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I don't, I, I think it's the rhythm, right? I think poets, poets naturally have a, well, I think humans naturally have a connection to rhythm because of cycles and the way, you know, it's not even spiritual, it's, it's science, you know, like the way our, our bodies cycle and the way our heart beats and, and things like that. So I think it's, I think rhythm speaks to a very primal part of us that is something that cannot be compromised. You can have people that, you know, aren't quite on rhythm but they still gravitate towards it. You know, they still, everyone loves music. Everyone loves a pattern for the most part. Everybody loves disturbing a pattern. You know what I mean? So um, it's all connected. I think that's probably really just it. And I think when you get into poetry, you, you build a deeper relationship with rhythm. And so you probably experience music a little different than other people do. Um, but on a subconscious level, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I don't think it's something that we're really conscious of. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say that I would say it's probably something like this, just genetics in our brain. Um, but when you're writing poetry, you probably have a different kind of connection to, to music. And then you usually, you typically start playing with that. A lot of poets end up um, playing with like, Hey man, you play guitar behind me or you bring in some drums. You know, um, if you're a spoken word artist, you, you look to have an album, you know, and on the albums that I have, I try to get different instruments for different tones and different, um, emotions of a poem. You know, I've got, speaking of which, this is really cool. So I've got a new album that I'm going to drop. It was supposed to drop a few months ago, but you know, things happen but there's a guy who plays a saw like an actual like you know you just like saw wood he plays it with like a um with like a you know how you would a violin 
and it's eerie and it's creepy and it's like it's it's beautiful though it's a beautiful sound but when i discovered he does he did that um i was like man i really need you on this track because it's a track about my mom dying it's a track about grief and when i tell you you pair that saw up against like a poem that's like angry and just full of grief and full of like um just despair it'll make your flesh like crawl it's like it's powerful and i think that poets i think that they they see like what music can do to um uh, um, I, yeah, I would say elevate or accompany uh, a poem because you can still make someone's flesh crawl with a poem, but you know it's a beautiful dance between the words and the music, and so I think that it like the connection there is rhythm and the connection there is emotion. Like, how can you pair the two to to really uh, amp up the emotion of something? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I always um. When I start, especially teaching young people about poetry and they say, well, I, I'm not a poet. I, I tell them like, we all are. Like if you find yourself in an argument with somebody, you'll start to feel the rhythm and they'll start to rhyme off of each other from the passion. And so that starts to happen naturally. It's just who we are. And so when we're being passionate, whether it's in an argument or we're talking to a friend or telling a story, it automatically gains rhythm and it gains some poetic form, even though, you know, you're not planning it and you're not trying. And so I tell them, all we're going to do is we're going to take that passion and put it onto the page, because when you take that passion and put it onto the page, then you become a poet. That's what it is. Like poetry is our passion on the page. So that's beautiful. I love that. Yes. Yeah. So, oh man, I, I, I love that. Cause you were like, it's not spiritual. It's just, it's almost like it's prehistoric. <laughs> like it's just in us. It was just there um, because of all the cycles in our body. That's absolutely beautiful. All right. So that being said, do you have anything new or a poem that you want to share with us? Oh yeah, I actually do. I do have a new poem I just wrote and I put it on Facebook. It was, um, scary for me <laughs> because uh it's, I, it's typically i do this i'm not one of those people who keep my work from other people like because i know that it's just a if i post on facebook it's a first draft and i would rather share something and people get inspired by it and then i can take it down if i want to i can i can edit that poem and make it like a a spoken word piece, or I could put it in a book, I can edit it for the page, you know, or whatever, I could do whatever I want with it. But I, I want to get it out there for several reasons, like one, to inspire others, but two, to get it out, to get it out of me, you know, so like, there's something um, powerful about other people bearing witness to what what it is you're trying to get out. I think that that there is something in that and it matters and it helps the healing process and it helps um, what you uh, process. But I, I did, I wrote, I wrote something and put it on there. I don't know if I'll read that one though. Um, because I don't, I, yeah, I don't know if I want to be in that energy today because <laughs> it's still very raw and I haven't said it out loud yet. And I'm like, let's not fall apart on this podcast. <laughs> It is fun. Right. But I, I do have other um, new pieces, but um, while I'm pulling them up, uh, new projects that I have are 
I got an album that that I'm going to be coming out with, and I'm going to be um, launching a membership for the coaching. So I've got several poets who have contacted me and was like, look, I want long-term coaching. What does that look like? And I'm like, that's a good question. Let me figure out what that looks like. <laughs> so this summer, um, I'm going to be launching that. And then uh, I got contacted by a horror movie producer and I'm a huge horror movie fan. Right. I know uh, that was when I opened up the email, that was my face too. I was like, what? Um, so I'm a huge horror movie fan and this horror movie producer contacted me. He used to live in California and he's moved to North Carolina now. And he was like, look, I've, he's put two and two together every, every year I do like this 31 days of horror challenge. Right. And, um, so I, I post it on my Instagram along with all my other stuff. So it's weird. <laughs> my people will be like, we'll get to Halloween. And they're like, wait, what happened? Like, who is this person? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Totally what... During this month. Yeah. Is this, is the, is, is your account changed? Have you been hacked? I don't understand. <laughs> but, um, he's put together that, you know, I'm, I'm a poet and an artist and I, and I love horror movies. So the, for the whole month of October, I'll watch a horror movie a day and I'll do an art piece based on, on the horror movie. And it started as like a fun challenge to myself. And then people started buying the pieces and I was like, Hey, now wait a minute. <laughs> like, we can do something with this, you know? But anyway, he was like, listen, I was wondering if you would ever do a horror writing retreat. And I was like, dope. Right. I was like, oh my gosh, like I would have totally done one by now if I would have thought people would actually be interested in it. And so it was like confirmation of like, yeah, just, to, just do it, just throw it out there and see what happens. So I'm going to be doing that hopefully going into the fall, like not around fall, but like maybe right before, like maybe in September or something. And hopefully I'll do it at Lake James because Lake James here in North Carolina looks like somewhere Stephen King would go to write a novel, you know, <laughs> that's, that's something that I'm excited about. I, um, I was just, that. she, uh, yeah, I was, she was born. On I was over the moon. And was he really? Uh, yeah, she, she was, uh, she was born. Oh, uh, she, she was. was. Born on oh, Halloween wow. And her, on her birthday, she always makes us watch horror movies and, uh, one year she took us up to like this cabin in the woods and I was like, um, I'm the only black person here, which means I'm gonna be the first person to die. I'm good. Oh, <laughs> but oh. I'll do anything for her because it's her birthday. So <laughs> we went up there. She had us in like the hot tub and it was kind of like what you said, like a Stephen King movie. I was like, somebody's going to come out from the fog of Tennessee and get us all sitting on this hot tub <laughs> at this cabin in the woods. <laughs> and I was like, everybody have their gun. Because oh my gosh. I'm, I'm getting back home to my family. So <laughs> I work out for such a time as this. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. But you know, I'm, I really feel like, like I feel like horror movies, they definitely have a specific um, place in society because I think that they help us uh, process the violence that we have experienced and the violence within ourselves and and just the darker shadow parts of us too you know and and how we they can really bring up some interesting questions about justice and revenge and and all all kinds of things so i think that they're they're really important to society for sure now now i feel challenged like i need to 
write a horror poem. Yeah. And you know what's funny? Like, even though I'm a huge, like, I've done horror arts, but I don't think I've written some spooky poems for kids for Halloween. I've done that because, you know, you go into school systems and things like that. So I've done some really cute, like Edgar Allan Poe, like um, tributes and stuff like that. And I've got some that are, that are, I don't know, you could say that they're, I mean, we all have like dark poems, but they're not like horror, you know? So, I mean, I haven't even wrote one, so I don't know, but I found, I found a new piece while we were talking. Um, so this, this again is unedited, it's new, but um, I, another one I posted and it's advice to a poet. And it was from an interview I was doing and um, they were like, you know, oh, what advice would you have for, for, you know, poets out there? And so I wrote like, I think what I have learned as the biggest things in my journey. So this is that piece. Hold on to the flood, moments when you cease to exist, becoming the poem, when there is nothing between you and God but words, and the words are a tether tying every atom together, reconnecting to remember what it is to be alive, to be human. This is the purpose. Remember it on days where your attention strays, when half of your peers puts you on a pedestal of praise, awestruck at how far you've come, all you seem to accomplish. And the other half are wondering why you aren't going further, faster, doing bigger projects. When you feel caught between glamor and amateur, bring yourself back to becoming the vessel. Set goals that align with your values. Learn to see social media as an invitation for your audience to believe that even the shittiest of your books with the mispunctuation or the album with the background noise is worth their support to continue your craft. When they doubt if it's worth it, you remind them the power poetry has. Show them the inside of every rewritten, rebuilt cell shed at the prick of a pen tip Show them how sweet black ink can bleed. Confuse them with pleasure and pain, want and need. Remind them they long for something they can't name. Then name it. You won't be able to save everyone. And it will take years of trying to realize that you actually can't save anyone. What you can do is create a space for people to save themselves. When you figure that out, embody it and be the space that walks, a grace between a semicolon. Become so soft and open-armed that even the most mice of men can approach you to learn how to become lions. Mm. On the days when the world mistakes your love for naiveness, show them their nakedness, every insecurity that bloomed around every bruise at abused friendships. Show them how Jonah whale big your heart is, how much forgiveness your heart can house around them. If you stay true to your passion and purpose, holding love in front of you to enter every space you grace, then you will never question if you are good enough to be a poet. The days you feel you don't have to prove something will be more than the ones you feel you do. But on the days you do, make them question 
the origin of lightning by the way your tongue sizzles their skin and leaves the air spinning splinting ions the echo of thunder pulsing in their ears rising a sea of hot blood to swell at the surface of their flesh till all they can taste is the iron in the ink rattle their teeth with syllables slung from your throat hard enough to shatter the wooden doors of their homes where not even a car ride in a city between them and you can fade out that connection so that's that piece yo i needed that piece in my life today thank you so so much oh man that's beautiful um you know uh i've been doing this for 25 years and i still have those moments where i need that reminder that i'm not in competition with anybody that it's just about my poetry and putting it out there so that it does something in this world and i yeah and we all like everybody it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter how far you've come you're you're gonna have those moments because we're we're being vulnerable that's a part of vulnerability it's a part of it's it's what happens when your your product and your and your brand is also you you know and it, and you have to learn boundaries internal boundaries on how to on how to healthily navigate that i i think that it's important to incorporate like certain principles of art. Like one of them is you can't compare artists because everyone has their own style. You can't you can't compare Picasso to Michelangelo. They're two completely different styles, and it's the same thing with poetry. Like everyone has their own unique voice. You don't want everybody sound the same. That, that there would be, you know what I mean? Like it would be boring. Like you'd be like, okay, enough already. You know, it's the variety that makes it that makes it exciting and engaging, you know. So, yeah, you don't want to sound like everybody else. That's that's yeah. That's one thing. The other thing that I hold on to as well is there's three things I hold on to. That's one. The second thing I hold on to is that it's not that people are here. It's not that one person is above the other. It's that one person is further along on their path than you are. That's it. It's not, it's not a height thing. It's a distance thing. So, because the, everybody's path is different, you got to look at where you're at on your path and how to get to the next step. So that's another thing to just kind of like shift, like a mental shift to think about. And then the third thing is someone somewhere needs to hear it. Someone somewhere needs to hear your story because I firmly believe that everybody just needs the right words at the right moment to change their life. It might not be your words. It might be a stranger walking by saying something. You're like, whoa. But at some point, you're going to hear something that's going to make that pivot in your life that changes everything. And sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes like you could do a poetry um, show and then, you know, it could be a good show or whatever. And no one came up to you after and was like, hey, that poem changed my life. Hey, that, you know, that did anything. But you might get an email. This happened to me recently. This legit happened to me. Um, this girl used to come to uh, Poetry Lincolnton back when we were running Poetry Lincolnton when I lived in that god-awful town. Um, it, um, yeah, just don't go there. If you're listening to this right now and you're in, if you're listening to this and you are in Lincolnton, get out. Get out now. Just... <laughs> Just get out. Just, Life advice. Don't worry. From Shane. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. Don't worry if you got a lease on anything. Just leave it. Just leave it. Just just go. Just get out. 
just get out while you can. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, we were doing poetry Lincoln in there. And this girl used to come all the time. And that was years ago. I mean, years ago. That was at least 20. No, well, that was at least probably like 16, 17 years ago. I get an email a few months ago from the, this woman who used to go there. And she's just in this, this long letter just telling me about how how the poetry helped her and changed her life and was able for her to find a voice. So you don't know. You don't know how your words are affecting someone else. So you so it's best to always believe the assumption that they are. Yeah. Absolutely. That they are. So that someone's listening. And I've done like flash mob poetry long enough to know that you might have this group of people over here that are just walking and they're not paying attention or whatever. They're minding their own business, but there's somebody in that crowd that is listening to you and it's affecting yeah. them. There is some, there's at least one, at least. Yeah. And that's all you need. All you need is one. So yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh man. Like I don't even have to ask questions. You just like keep, yeah, you just like flowing. I'm like, dang, that was my question. She answered it. Okay. That's oh. <laughs> So this is called Beyond the Spark because um, that's just it. We want to learn and and help people realize the benefit of going beyond just the initial spark of creativity. Um, what sparks your creativity? What makes you be like, okay, I got to go write. I'm going to go write that piece. Mm. You know, I feel like every poet says life, but it's like, I've, I feel like that, the way you worded it though, allows people to get a little bit more specific. So like what sparks it, right? Like when are the moments that we're like, oh, ooh, you know, um, I feel contact with something. I've been thinking about this for a while and I, don't, I haven't really found words for it yet, but there's something in making contact with something, whether that's, um, so if I'm looking back at my work, right, and I'm looking at where are the themes, what what's happening here, right, um, which I think every poet should do, like look back and be like, if you could understand how you do something, then you could teach that to other people and make some money off of it, y'all. I'm just telling you. But oh, like, yeah, that's, that's like, good advice too, yeah. Figure out your process and then sell that process. Like, um, anyway, so the Divine Disturbances book that I have was all about me seeing disturbances and because I was a disturbance. I was, I was living with adrenaline disorder, which is what happens when your body stays in fight or flight for too long, you get adrenaline disorder. And the best way for me to describe adrenaline disorder is it feels like there's a bullet at the back of your head 24-7. That's what it feels like. It, you can't, there is no calm. There is no there you it's it just wrecks your body it wrecks your body and what ends up happening is usually you end up in the hospital for how it's wrecking your body and then it forces you to like sit the hell down and like look at what's going on so that book was about me making contact with a reflection of myself right Ooh, that might be it right there it's like when we make contact with a reflect it's a trigger it's a it's what it is like you can yeah. be triggered and be fine trigger is not re-traumatized there's a difference between being triggered and being re-traumatized so whenever you're out and about in the world and you experience something or you're reading like an article or something and it triggers you that's the spark of inspiration that's the contact you're you're making contact with a reflection of something in yourself that either you don't like 
or something that you need to deal with or something that you connect with where you're like, Ooh, I like that. That's yummy. That's juicy. That's delicious. Let me like sink into that, you know? So it's either it's the contact it's the, we're making contact with a reflection of, of ourselves and like, or is it an invitation or a question? Like, do I stand for this thing or don't I stand for this thing? So I have a creative coaching client that's a really big uh, spiritual coach in um, Charlotte and her name is Crystal the Oracle. And one of the things I'm doing for her right now is I'm taking all of her teachings of the 12 laws of the universe and I'm putting them in a workbook for her to sell to her clients. So I'm going through her, her videos and one of the things that she says, it, uh, one of the laws of vibration is, um, one of the laws of the universe is the law of vibration. And everybody talks about being high vibe all the time, right? Like good vibes only, high vibe. That's not what high vibe is. High vibe is like allowing your emotions to move. So even if they're bad, like it's allowing them to move. And in the, in the teaching, I don't want to give all her teachings away, but she talks about that. And she talks about equilibrium being disturbed is the definition of vibration. Right. Right. I know. Right. It's so good. So I was like, that's, I mean, that's the contact when your equilibrium is disturbed, when you feel a vibration, yes. that's inspiration. That's, you know, and one of the things I teach my clients when it comes to the poetry aspect of the coaching is I teach them how to be a vessel and I teach them how to reach into that all the time, because I don't think inspiration strikes. I don't think it is. I think it's more of, it's a, it's a constant stream and you teach yourself how to reach in and out of it because everything around you is a prompt and everything you are experiencing is a reflection of yourself. So if you can train yourself to reach out and make the connection, instead of waiting for it to happen to you, mm. do you become unstoppable? You know, Ooh. you're just giving us all the goodness. I'm glad you're recording this because I'm going to use this on my website. <laughs> just thinking i was like man i'm gonna go back and listen and take notes on this podcast <laughs> listen audience you want to listen to this one over and over and over again because this is going to be how you are continuously um motivating yourself to like shane said just reach in like inspiration's always around us and instead of waiting for it to hit us just reach into it i love that oh my goodness yes please use that on your website <laughs> i love it Oh man. Okay. Um, so you go into schools and so I, you're, you're a form of a teacher, um, because, uh, I'm guessing you're probably like, uh, a teaching artist is registered in your state and all that good stuff. Um, that's what we do here is you have to become like registered in the state and then you can go into all these schools and teach the students. Um, what is the first thing that you would do to connect? Like, and you walk into a brand new classroom of eighth graders. I teach eighth okay. graders um, and they're hard to connect with sometimes. So what is the first so thing that you my... do oh, go to ahead. connect with those <laughs> students? So uh, one of my I am statements that uh, I say before I even enter a space is uh, I am a safe space for myself and my students. Um, so I think about intention and setting the energy of a space before I even get to the classroom, before I even walk in. Um, I'm a very big believer on focusing your your thoughts and your energy. I think that the, it really makes a difference for the whole 
the whole, the whole event. Right. And that's for anything. It doesn't have to just be like you walking into a classroom. It can be anything. Uh, I am statements are very powerful always. Um, and I, and I also pray too. So that's one of the things I do, um, is like, just be with us in the space and, and all of that. So then I get to the space and if I could get there before the students get there, I like kind of like, um send good energy around i'll walk around the space and i'll kind of like set the energy and the intention there but if i can't do that and even if i can one of the things that i do is that first initial contact as the students are coming in or as i come into this space i will see a student and i'll scan the room and i'll see a student that maybe something connects with me and that student i just feel it in my body i could just feel like i want to say something to this student so i'll walk up and i'll do the icu method and the ICU method, this is something I teach. I also do uh, trauma-informed care training. This is a, a method that you can use in the classroom as a drug prevention. You can use it as a bunch of things because they notice that you're noticing them. So I'll walk, I, I did it at the middle school. I walked in, I was like, you are a whole aesthetic. I was like, you are a Pinterest board. Like, I, you are looking stylish because the kid had like his hat on and like he, he just had it together. Like his whole outfit was just incredible. So I said something to that student. So that's the ICU method. Like as your students are coming in, you can be like, oh, I like those, those new shoes you got. Or like, you know, and it's like, oh, I better not come to class high because Miss Shangle, no, because she's paying attention, you know? So that's that's the ICU method. But I do that so I can and I can get comfortable, but also I can make a connection with just at least mm -hmm. one student before we even get started. And so that way, again, it's like setting the intention of having a connection with the students. Um, so that's one of the things that I do. And I, I usually typically like introduce myself and then start off with a poem. And uh, that gets their attention immediately because they're like, especially if they're younger and they don't know spoken word, they, they think poems are like what they've been learning in class because <laughs> unfortunately, most teachers don't teach spoken word. That is changing. That is changing. And like, I, I do that with the, I also uh, teach at a lockdown facility and I bring in spoken word poets to, to talk to them. I, I let them hear spoken word. I'm, I try to incorporate a local poet that is alive and as someone that they can actually reach out to and ask questions, you know, um, into the classroom. But um, I, that gets their attention. And then sometimes there's certain facilities where, like, they, they aren't going to open up writing right away. So art becomes like the gateway to get them to open up. So we'll fuse art with writing. Um, we're, I'm doing that today. After this, I'm going to the VAPA Center in Charlotte. And me and uh, one of our members, Joss Malls, who is also um, big in, big in uh, Charlotte, as well as like part of Granny's Boys and all that, um, respect the mic and all that. He um, He's coming in with me and we're going to co-teach a uh, art writing workshop on nonviolence, on violence prevention. And so we'll incorporate like art into the writing and that kind of opens them up to start to start thinking about words and not shying so much away from words. Because depending on the facility you go into, you might have some students who, who are illiterate. I mean, because they're there because it's like their last chance. It's like, you know, it's a school that's like, it's their last chance before being sent off and, and being locked up, you know? Um, and we've got students who go in and out of facilities. We have students who go in and out of being hospitalized, you know? So it's hard to teach them 
if they're constantly being, you know, being hospitalized. So um, you have to give the grant permission that it can look however it needs to look as long as it comes out of you. You don't have to know how to spell this in order to to expel this. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, so it's it's okay that if you don't have the the language for it yet, you know. So I like yeah. Awesome. Well, you told us a lot of what you are doing. You've got a new album coming out. We can reach out for coaching and definitely for this horror writing retreat. I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm going to bring, that's going to be her birthday present. I think that's what we'll do is like, maybe I'll bring her for a birthday present. Um, and then uh, how do we reach you on social media? So I know you do Facebook and Instagram. How can the audience reach you? um follow you support you yes definitely so i have a i have a facebook i have an instagram i also have a youtube channel that has like uh poetry videos and some workshops and stuff i i have been really really loving creating poetry videos and i actually uh got a grant for video equipment and all of the all of it is still sitting right here in my living room <laughs> i haven't opened it yet <laughs> i got the equipment the equipment's here i just haven't opened it yet um but I've really been enjoying that. So please follow me on YouTube. Everything is my name. Everything is just Shane, you know, Manier. So just follow, follow it. It's M-A-N-I-E-R. My family was hella country and they pronounced it Mainer, but it's French. Okay. And you, you said it right. But if you, if you are hella country too, you could say Mainer. It's all right. It ain't gonna, it ain't gonna offend me or anything. I've been to, I've been to events where they're like, no, we're not saying that. That's not correct. And I'm like, it, oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever you need to do. <laughs> but tell me how to say my own name. Right. Was, okay. Um, so but it's it's yeah. But you can find me um on Facebook. I usually I usually post longer things because it's Facebook, you know. That's where you'll see my poems. You'll see my poems if you want to get a little sneak peek of that and get a little inspiration. Um, you can. I also have a business page called Shane Maynard Creative Coach. Uh, please follow that because I'm trying to get more numbers on there. I've got some great reviews on there and stuff, but I'm trying to build the numbers and my Instagram too. I'm trying to build the numbers on my Instagram as well as the YouTube. So, you know, just follow me on all platforms. You won't be disappointed. I promise. I'm entertaining. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And always dropping knowledge. Um, just always putting good energy into the space and creating sparks that's a i see you as a spark creator you're a little sparkler um out here in the world of creativity so i just so appreciate you uh stopping by and talking with me and i know that everybody who listens to this episode is going to be stoked because now we have a new direction about inspiration and reaching into inspiration so thanks yes, so much Shane. thank you i appreciate you and yes. uh, hey, everybody out there, just make sure that you keep tuning in. Every episode, we are getting more and more knowledge and we're becoming better people in the space of creativity. So follow us Beyond the Spark podcast and follow me on all your social media platforms. I'm Ray Sunshine Poetry, and uh, I will talk to you next time. See ya. <laughs>